everyone. Uh, welcome to yet another Lemnus podcast where we speak with thought leaders from the world of digital customer experience data, MarTech. Today, it's my pleasure to uh, welcome and introduce Manu Lavanya, Director and COO at Max Life Insurance. Manu is a senior global leader with 24 years plus of experience successfully creating, uh, transforming and scaling businesses across multiple industry domains and geographies uh, like US, uh, Latin America, Eastern Europe, UK and India. As the COO at Max Life, Manu is responsible for providing executive leadership to operations, underwriting claims, digital transformation, uh, IT, quality and innovation, service excellence, uh, and, so, and other such functions. His ultimate goal is to help Max Life craft superior customer experiences. Prior to this, Manu has had remarkable stints at Incido, Brillio, Cognizant, and ITC, leading multiple roles in tech, digital transformation, and overall business leadership. Uh, welcome, Manu. Great to have you here today. Thank you so much. Great. So, uh, our second speaker is uh, our usual suspect, uh, Subra Krishnan, uh, you know, the CEO at Lemnis. So Lemnisk is a leading customer data platform company. Very recently, uh, Lemnisk got featured in Forrester's real-time interaction management report, probably the only one from India. Uh, and, uh, you know, he really leads the entire product vision and evangelization of CDP itself at uh, Lemnisk. Prior to Lemnis, Subra was uh, with Vizuri. Vizuri is a leading uh, ad tech company and uh, Subra saw through all various uh, you know, business leadership roles, product roles and so on. And it culminated finally into his role as a CEO uh, where you know, he successfully led the acquisition by a company called Affil. Right? So hi and welcome again, Subra. Uh, pleasure. So uh, I mean, diving straight into uh, the topic for today, right, which is building a digital first insurance company, who better to have you with us here than, uh, you know, you, Manu. So to, to begin with, Manu, very briefly, if you could just uh, walk us through the highlights of your, you know, professional journey leading to your current role, which is at uh, Max Life and what we're really interested in this is not really, uh, you know, a resume walkthrough, but more of how the industry evolved and how you as a part of that industry sort of evolved, uh, you know, as we know, in the past two decades, the rate of digital transformation has just exponentially increased, right? And straight after this pandemic, it's a crazy rate now. So yeah, just some perspectives from you on that. Sure, Shulaka. Thank you. First of all, uh, thank you, Subra. Thank you, Shulaka, for, uh, for this invitation. Really glad to glad to be here. Glad to be sharing and sharing my views on a topic that is very close to my heart: uh, digital transformation. Right, and um, I have had the uh, I've had the I would say unique opportunity of seeing that transformation uh, happen in some ways uh, across three very different sectors. Right, uh, the manufacturing sector, uh, where my life started with ITC, uh, the the whole digital and IT sector itself, where it was more a vehicle of driving transformation for many customers across across the world, and, and finally announcing an insurance as a as a vertical. So uh, I joined just six months ago uh, in MaxLife Insurance, and you know, it's been a I would say a fantastic trans transition of a journey. If I think about the question, Shalaka. I think the first seven years in in ITC were really more about manufacturing, right? Uh, but even then, uh, I would say about three or four years, 
uh, into into my stint with ITC. Uh, company was fairly progressive as it continues to be today in terms of application of technology into the FMCG sector. Right? In thinking about what's required for a long-term technology transformation, and how do you drive the technology platform as a differentiation for driving competitive differentiation for manufacturing, right? Uh, so ITC went through uh, a, one of the very earliest big bang ACP implementations back in 1999. Right? A very few companies, Tata Steel, Arvind Mills were the only few companies that were that were really um, aspiring at that time to do a big bang SAP sort of uh, implementation. And I think ITC had a great vision in terms of what sort of a foundation would be required to drive the future of digital that was yet to come, right? And uh, I was very, and I'm sharing that I was very lucky to be part of that initiative. And that's where my love for technology and digital started. Um, very quickly, I realized it was so exciting. Uh, and what ERP projects do, uh, so far in Sri Lanka, is that they also give you a, a very horizontal view of the organization and rather than just a function view, right? Because suddenly, the consultants would come and tell me, you know what, you press one click out here and you know, somewhere else in the process, something else breaks. So everything else is connected, right? So um, the first thing I did after, after spending a couple of years in ITC with that project was that I realized how adequate I was in terms of knowledge across my manufacturing domain, which was sales, uh, technology, and you know, operations. Operations was my, was my forte, but more around sales, finance, technology, led me to quit my job after that project and do a full-time MBA because you, you feel so inadequate that, you know, there's so much beyond your function that an ERP project typically exposes you to. I think that, and that's where my love with technology started. Um, of course, my ISB had just opened that time uh, as an institution. Um, great one year, great some, met some very, very uh, amazing, amazing people to be my peers uh, in my class. Um, and, uh, and then the journey really into technology started with Cognizant. And, um, I, I think over, over the next 12 years that I spent in Cognizant, uh, I saw that $138 million company to begin with transforming into a 12 to $13 billion giant in, the, in, 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 the, in those 12 years. And again, the common, the common theme there was, this was one of the companies that very, 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 very quickly realized that the differentiation does not lie only in foundations of IT. The differentiation lies in knowing your customer better. The differentiation lies in analytics, in data. The differentiation lies in building customer experiences. The differentiation lies in building a scalable infrastructure that helps you do all of the above, right? So, so a, a very strong orientation towards what Cognizant called at that time the future of work, right? And how do we how do we start bringing together the whole perspective around what does future of work mean in the context of customer relationship management, customer acquisition, provisioning, sales, operational excellence? What does what does it mean in these contexts, right? And how why can't we experience technology the same way we experience on a Sunday evening? Why can't we experience technology the same way on a Monday morning? So so. That was that was that was one secular change. I saw that the focus in early 2000 was around arbitrage, right? Cost arbitrage. But hey, I've got a global offshoring model. There are many companies, as you can see around today, were successfully built on the idea of global development models. Right? 
And then slowly the, the shift started you know, happening from an arbitrage model to a value provisioning model, right? Where people said that, hey, you know what? We can always leverage a global presence, not only for cost, but also for value, but also for new capability, right? That's when you saw components of innovation getting delivered in a global delivery market. So if you see the early, early, I would say 2010, 2011 timeframes, we had moved beyond the idea of, you know, just offshoring and global development for arbitrage. The idea was more around, okay, how do I now start looking at cloud? How do I start looking at, uh, you know, uh, scalable data infrastructure? How do I start looking at uh, the newer mechanism, the UI UX, the, the, the customer experience? Uh, part of the business, right? And and suddenly we had a huge push towards now what has become the digital revolution, right? It started with smack. People first thought, hey, because everybody had their own definition of what digital meant. Some people said smack. Some people said something else. Some people said IoT, mobility. And, and, and slowly now, at least now, the world has started converging to an understanding that digital was never about a technology. One, it was about a mindset. It was about transforming the way the business does its business today, right? And not just what technology is used for leveraging it. And, and that transformation happened. And so after 2014, when I that was a very opportune moment for me to, you know, try a startup world where uh, we, we moved away from Cognizant and started up a, uh, a firm called Video Technologies really focusing only on digital transformation and, and how, how to drive capability where we can use, we can use uh, really the new know-how to start transforming our business for our clients in a way that it fundamentally changes their ability to attract new customers, in a way where it fundamentally changes the way they're able to drive efficiency in their operations and in a way where each and every process that we do is more intelligent uh, than they would experience before. Right? So, so that was the journey for the next, I would say, five years. Uh, I was I was there and extremely. That's where that's where my partnership with Rahul began, and uh, extremely extremely proud to uh, to share that the value creation was also recognized externally in in, in 2018, uh, end of 2018, early 2019. Is when Bain Capital uh, took over a majority stake in Brilliant, right? Um, and then I had to move because of, for some reasons I had to move north. Uh, I, I got a very different sort of uh, opportunity to really transform myself from a digital IT industry background to more of a B2C insurance background, right? And uh, so that that is a big change for me. Big change, very frankly. But but uh, I was so glad to see that uh, the things don't really uh, change so much in terms of what digital can do for businesses, right? Uh, and this opportunity I have today just is a great opportunity for me to apply whatever I've helped many of my customers do in a different scale and different context, and really take that learning and apply it to an India context in a large-scale B2C space where you have 45 lakh customers, when you have 50,000 agents, right? How do you transform and touch their lives through transformation? So, I mean, I think, uh, Manu, you've made a perfect segue to the next section. Uh, so, you know, I mean, 
covid etc aside uh, maybe the question gets a little more flavor flavor just because of uh, covid but i would love to understand from both you as well as subra uh, and maybe subra you can go first on this one is you know especially because of this pandemic now what do you think has sort of changed in insurance right and we have a lot of uh, you know some of the best indian topmost indian insurance clients be it in life general insurance and so on uh, and we know few basics that you know we love clients who are as invested into it uh, as we are right so all that aside what do you think has sort of changed uh, in the way that you know insurance is being led and pivoted now and manu maybe uh, after that uh, when you answer the question we would love to hear both from an industry perspective and from a consumer insights and consumer behavior habit kind of a perspective which i saw you touched upon a little bit but maybe you can uh, expound on it a little more yeah sure. please go ahead subra you know i i'll go very quickly first but i obviously you know i i'm fascinated to hear what what manu would say on this uh, on this topic right uh, you know for, so for me you know irrespective of the business uh, you know everything starts with uh with unit economics and i find that uh, trying to uh, you know understand uh, anything that happens whether it's a pandemic or or anything else uh you know trying to apply uh, and see what what is the impact on unit economics is really the place to uh, you know try and uh, you know unravel uh, a complexity like the pandemic right so i think you know and and part of why uh, something like covid has been so complicated is because trying to assess its impact on unit economics is also fairly tricky right so on the one hand uh, for for insurance like life insurance uh, you know for an industry like life insurance you see that uh, a pandemic has brought for example a greater awareness uh, you know about life insurance category there are people who are uh, starting to apply for life insurance now right uh, so which is the positive but then when you try to understand uh, when you try to dig a little deeper and and say okay how is the demand going to play out uh, you see that it's it's a lot more complicated than that because you see that uh, you know there is a challenge in servicing that uh, that that customer you know fulfilling that customer's requirement and there is this challenge that you know the, the customer has probably uh, you know is taking a, a a decision which is suboptimal for themselves because there is a shortage of funds on their side Uh, or it could be as simple as okay if i go for a higher cover i have to go for a uh, you know i have to go for a health check up how will i do that in this pandemic right so you you're seeing that play out and then marry that with the fact that if these guys are on suboptimal plans but claims in the long term goes up uh, then then what happens so what happens to this unit economics so i think it's fascinating uh, to see and and the, at least the pandemic has been uh, in in that sense an eye opener for Uh, for uh, for me as well as i'm sure for for many other folks so i think the jury is still out on many of these things what i can say probably with certainty uh, is that uh, on balance for life insurance as a category uh, you know i would say this is uh, probably been a, a positive uh, development uh, and i think especially if you can um, uh, you know bring uh, you know bring digital transformation uh, fairly quickly in this environment uh, then i think anybody who can who can get that done Uh, stands to benefit immensely especially because in my experience anything you that that you do successfully on the digital front always has got a positive impact on unit economics right so uh, that's the way i would probably uh, look at this but manu just happy to sort of uh, you know pass to pass the baton to you i think your your thoughts here would be a lot more insightful than mine thanks very well said shubha very well said and uh, completely agree with some of the comments you made around the lack of predictability um i i give a sense um, so so i joined the the firm around end of january and 
you know, I thought I had some more time before I get into the kitchen. But unfortunately, you know, the moment I joined, you know, the maid went on leave, right? So COVID forced me to start cooking very, very early. But uh, one big learning that happened as a result of that, uh, that, that calamity right, was a very deep realization on two fronts. One, the customer mindset is very different when you think about acquisition of a customer and when you think about retention of a customer. See, see, on the acquisition front, there is a lot of, I would say, there are increased awareness and increased sensitivity around pure term insurance. However, this is also a time which is also marked with significant decrement in the markets. And hence, all the unit link plans also have taken a significant downturn in terms of demand because people do not see insurance now as, as lucrative an option for investment as they saw otherwise. So I would say there's a balancing of the portfolio effect that is happening over here because we see that we are writing almost 200% of protection business that we were writing last year. However, just to give you a sense, insurance life insurance penetration in India is only 2.7%. Right, so there's a huge, huge, I would say, distance to go in terms of awareness on what does one feel to be, to be secure, right? What what is the desire of a typical Indian to feel secure financially, all right, or secure through a life instrument? Why uh, while MaxLife has been pretty much at the spearhead of uh, driving the entire what we call as the India Protection Quotient, the IPQM, so great initiative that's been spirited by Max Life for the entire industry to increase the overall awareness of need for life insurance in our people. But COVID has had a very, very, I would say, a balancing sort of an effect, a portfolio rebalancing effect. Right? That's one. But when you look at the retention piece of the side of the question, it has definitely strained the retention uh, desire for customers purely because of the economic hardship. And and if you look at if especially if you look at investment-based insurance products, which are more unit-linked, for example, when when people start seeing a huge decrement in their value of their asset because the markets are moving down, the ability to retain those policies also becomes equal. Right? So so. First, from a, from a customer acquisition perspective and a retention perspective, slightly counter, counterbalancing forces. Two, when we look at the behavior or the digital capability required for us to rewire ourselves. Insurance was a very, very personal one-to-one -one selling model. And, and the whole of insurance industry worked on that deep connect, that especially, especially firms that depended a lot on the agency or a proprietary channel, which Max like does, for example, right? It is a deeply personal model where uh, you need your agent to tell you everything about a very complex product, where the only thing you're selling is a promise, and that a promise that will, that will get delivered decades down the road. And the only thing that drives PNL is the time value of money and your ability to forecast either the mortality or forecast the time value of money, right? That, that's the balance. In such a complex product, where even to explain, hey, whether you do a five-pay policy or a ten-pay policy, it means you pay it in five years or ten years upfront, and then there's a balance, 
benefit that carry on for x x y number of years and by the way after y number of years you will get a monthly payment or a lump sum for z amount of time it is a fairly mathematical complex product and hence the regulation around it also face you know forces the life insurance insurance companies to really do a great benefit illustration that hey is the customer really aware of the benefit now with that complexity and that persona the personal sort of a model so difficult to revive that model very quickly in a situation where you can't meet the customer you can't be face to face with the customer so a big part of the transformation that had to be done immediately to conserve the business was around how do you change this in person sales model to a completely virtual sales model two how do you drive governance of such a sales model which initially used to be a very feet on street governance very much you know you know in person sort of a governance to a truly distributed governance from a mind shift perspective it also meant people changing their belief from an input based measure to a completely outcome based measure right all my operation folks today are working from home uh, i really don't care how much time they spend in front of the desktop i'm going to just measure them a number of policies they can process per day and that is a mindset change as well because it is very different from a pre world where everybody was on the shop floor it's like a big you know farm out there and people are there people are collaborating yes it does drive a big rethinking around how do you drive camaraderie how do you drive the team bonding right some of these elements have definitely taken a hit in a pure digital virtual sort of a world and there are innovative ways we are thinking about how to actually you know deal with that challenge but those are challenges but the first response was really around the idea of a digital selling model right a non in person model the second idea was around how do you drive the entire operational aspect of the company the fulfillment aspect of the company to actually do remote fulfillment how do you drive that governance then and finally how do you now drive unique methodologies unique messaging unique customer interactions to motivate people to pay because it's not just a question of new sales it's also a question of almost a uh, you know a three times more or a four times more collection book that you typically maintain as a company right how do you drive or incentivize people to pay up for the premiums in such a difficult economic time so so those are i would say the key transformation drivers uh, for a life insurance company in a post covid world right and what we have learned very very briefly is that there is a muscle that was required to react to the incident that we had to build immediately but there is a muscle that we have to build long term permanently even when there is a vaccine out there even when this is behind us what we believe that covid will fundamentally transform the way we operate the way we sell the way we retain the way we interact with our customers permanently things like work from home we don't think it's only a covid situation where it will be it will be it, it is there to stay but people have realized the futility of real estate investments in in, in the covid world right so some of these muscles some of these changes are for here to stay and my desire and my my goal as a chief operations officer of the company is to make sure that we retain that strength even when covid is behind us so what does that mean I, maybe i'm uh, shalak i'm hijacking your next question here but 
you know, you, you, you spoke of how some of these muscles have to be built in the short term, some need to survive and, and sort of stand the test of post-COVID as well. Uh, so purely if I sort of dive into one function, which is of particular uh, interest, which is sales and marketing, how, how do you think, uh, you know, what sort of short and long-term uh, sort of uh, muscles, if I can call it that, uh, you know, do you, do you see getting built uh, to, to sort of collaborate with customers and in general, just drive better customer experience. And just to add to that, uh, you know, while the long-term strategy is also as important as the short-term one, one of the biggest uh, uptakes, you know, for the uh, for companies such as yours will be right now is how fast you can bring that cutting-edge digital product to market, right? And how, how much you can surpass your competitor by. So how are you sort of trying to balance out what Subra just mentioned? Great question, Chalaka. In fact, in fact um, we just had a board meeting last week and uh, a very common resounding, uh, I would say, understanding and agreement across the board was that, that this is a time to invest in the long-term muscle, first of all. And digital is that long-term muscle, right? One. Two. When you look at sales and marketing specifically as a function, Sundra, uh, and I'll come back to your question, Shalaka, as well, in terms of how do you make those trade-offs, right? But if you look at even sales and marketing as a function, I'll give you, I'll give you a very simple example that will make the choices real, right? The whole idea of conversions, how do you recruit an agent, right? Those, those, that effort that we see today post-COVID of driving a conversion, has gone up almost 100%. The number of, the number of you know, uh, recruitment agencies or recruitment effort, if I would unitize it, I'm spending today double the effort to retain the business conversion that I had in the year ago. Right? Now, while that is something that is a short-term response, but it cannot be a long-term response because it will cause fatigue. It will cause frictions, it will cause inefficiency as we go forward. So the question today is not about how can I ramp up a much bigger machinery. The question is about how can I discover a new target segment where the propensity to convert is much better than what I have done in the past, right? So the leverage of analytics, the leverage of, of data sciences, the leverage of creating or finding new potential target segments, finding new potential mortality segments, because maybe the parameters that I used in the past help me only discover, let's say, five key mortality segments. My ability tomorrow will be, you know, will be increased multifold if I'm able to create 10 such segments and find 10 such segments. I'll be able to price my products better. I'll be able to create newer products better, right? So now the world is shifting from the sheer effort phase, which was required to sustain the business initially, to an intelligent effort phase, where how do I build these, some of these permanent capabilities, leveraging what I call as three dimensions of digital value. One, intelligence. How do I make sure my processes are innately intelligent, which means I get more bang for the buck for the same effort. Two, uh, experience-centric. Everything that I do is customer experience inside, right? 
customer experience first. And three, automation. Where, how can I drive superior efficiency for us to drive the same outcome or a much better scaled outcome with a much lesser manual input, right? These are the three levers that we believe are going to significantly transform every aspect of the process that we do today, especially in sales and marketing, right? Also in sales, it's also about driving the whole sales governance. The, as I said, distributed governance, dashboarding, intelligent nudges, gamification. These ideas will have far deeper relevance today in a distributed, not in person sort of a sales force than they have ever been before because I will not be there in front of a person to have that motivation, to have that one-on-one -on -one connect, to have that personal touch driven motivation component that I always had in a face-to-face -face sort of a context. Right? So those are the typical examples that I see. Uh, in, in sales and marketing, and then Shalaka, coming back to your question around how do we make the choice of here and now versus later? See, uh, some of some of these digital transformation elements we have to start working on today. But some of these are also very foundational in nature, right? Uh, you will certainly figure out that you want to do a lot of great customer thesis with the analytics, but your data system is not very good, or you'll find that there's a very deep desire to do social uh, social media or social text based analytics, but maybe you don't have the right infrastructure to even consume that data, right? So, it, and then, and then also a big part is people skills. Never before am I feeling that I hope every single person that we hire in every single function should be digitally silent, right? Uh, I, I belong to an industry where when you look at the type of you know, agents that come on board and type of, about, you know, especially in the agency, right? These may be housewives. These may be people who are actually looking at insurance and alternative earning source. They have never been to, let's say, a postgraduate college, right? How do you provide great assets in their hands so they can be equally efficient as somebody who's, who's led a very digital sort of a savvy life, right? It's also where technology, we believe, is a great leveler. And if built properly, digital is a great leveler. We believe that those, those trade-offs have to be done today. We have to do those today so that we can really take the advantage at the other end of the COVID journey when we can differentiate ourselves significantly from other players. So, Subra, uh, you know, one of, you, one of our closing uh, questions, how would you, you know, as a leader of a CDP company, uh, what would you sort of recommend to some of these insurance leaders since you work with multiple insurance leaders, right? And uh, 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 most of them want to uh, go big or go home on uh, digital transformation now. So, and most of, most probably not all of them are going to have eminent successes, right? Uh, some are really going to outshine others. So how do you sort of uh, propose that happening? And I would love it if you could just use Manu's pointers and build on it, right? One being the strong sort of foundation and three core pillars on top of it, uh, namely in intelligence, uh, experience and automation, right? Uh, it would just be a great uh, segue. Please go. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was actually exactly going to do that. I thought Manu presented a very, very uh, uh, you know, powerful way of looking at this, right? So it is, uh, you know, in, if you can build any digital uh, on uh, on the foundation of, I would say, intelligent cu intelligence, customer 
you know, uh, uh, customer experience and automation. I think it's built for scale, right? So, uh, so I think from that perspective, uh, you know, I, I would I would say that uh, you know any any sort of transformation of this kind along these three uh, foundational pillars, right? Fundamentally requires uh, from a uh, you know from a from an ingredient perspective, if I can call it that, right? It requires uh, since since Manu used the cooking analogy earlier, uh, so uh, I think from an ingredient standpoint, uh, you know, it it will require a lot of access to customer data, customer touch points, right? That is the starting point, and I think Manu spoke about how hard it is to create, for example, uh, a customer 360 degree view, uh, which to me is the starting point to to for an effective execution, right? Um, uh, on, on a strategy like this, right? So I think in all my conversations with uh, with folks who are at the uh, forefront of these kinds of transformations, right? Uh, generally, this is the starting point. How can I understand my customer uh, more holistically? Uh, uh, you know, uh, more you know, in, in a much more uh, in-depth fashion, and more importantly, how can I understand them um, as and when they're thinking? How close can I mimic their their thought process so that the, the delay between uh, their thinking and the time I can actually go and act and influence or or help them uh, really starts coming down, right? And and so therefore. Uh, no wonder that that a technology like uh, CDP and now sorry for the plug, but I think it, it really is um, uh, very close to my heart. So I'm just bringing that out. So the CDPs generally are the foundational uh, piece of technology that you would use to make sure that you can execute on on this kind of transformation, right? So because fundamentally, what a CDP would allow you to do uh, is uh, you know as the customer is taking those footsteps, whether it is towards acquisition or or towards retention or towards a servicing request. Uh, a CDP would really allow you to make sure that you understand those footsteps, which generally tends to happen across different systems, uh, and a create a, uh, a more holistic, unified understanding of that user, and then make it available uh, uh, for for multi-channel activation, right? Um, and more importantly, be able to therefore have a system that is able to intervene uh, as quickly as possible uh, in, into the into this journey, right? Uh, so that uh, it would be uh, my sort of big. Uh, contribution, which is okay. It's important to have this kind of a framework, but what is what are the foundational pieces of technology that allow you to uh, execute on this? And for me, that's that starting point is definitely the uh, something like CDP, right? Uh, Manu, anything you would want to add here? No, fantastic. Uh, I think Subha, I completely agree that uh, what makes real is more of a platform approach than an individual business functionality approach, yeah. right? Definitely, and if we are able, if we are able to provide that platform where various, uh, what I call signals of customer behavior, I mean, signals of customer transactions, of customer feedback, can all come in together and help me predict the next intent or the next best action. I think that's where the differentiation in the future world will lie. My ability to predict better than what my competition can. Very, very complicated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure, and, and the way we, we are seeing it right now, Manu, I mean, we being a part of the customer success team. So one of the ways I also see a CDP and what it does is it really has, uh, you know, each team has its each other's backs, most, uh, mostly sales and marketing. So say if, uh, you know, your prospect just inevitably is going to block the call center representative, right? Uh, how does marketing then step in, get that customer's data seamlessly and sort of try to nurture in a more non-intrusive manner? So all those sort of use cases, we are uh, really strongly starting to see now. 
uh, you know and and insurance leaders like you and others really you know sort of uh, buying into that entire uh, you know promise of it so yeah i mean any closing thoughts uh, from either of you before you know we close despite all that we do in building our firm and keeping our firms intact and secure i think it's equally important for all of us to be safe for all of all of, all of us to be to be you know uh, secured our families to be secured and uh, as i said uh, while there is a big agenda around organization transformation uh, i also believe that all of us have in many ways embarked on a journey of self transformation as well which is posed by this covid yeah. uh, and and it is also giving us a lot of time for self reflection in terms of how do we think about sustaining ourselves through this challenge so that's the only thought i leave with Uh, that uh, I hope everybody is safe, I hope secure, and get behind this very, very quickly. I couldn't have put it better myself. So, yeah, um, Manu, thanks a lot. I think this has been a very, very uh, insightful session for us. I think uh, uh, you know our audience is really going to enjoy this uh, and listening to your uh, your inputs and your experience. So, thank you very much once again for joining the session. Appre- appreciate your time. Thanks so okay. much, Manu. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right.